Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Bruce Lawn. The Christmas season is upon us, and there are all types of festivities, consumerism, and yes, yes, I know, it is unlikely that Jesus was born on December 25th, mainly because I've been to Bethlehem, and uh, that part of Israel, Palestine, is actually quite cold, okay, uh, especially this time of year. It could even snow. But I think the important part is that as we're looking at Christmas, as we're looking at the Santa Claus and the decorations and the Christmas trees and the lights and all that stuff, I'm into all that. I don't mind any of that stuff, right? But I think it's important to note a couple of things. One, it's okay if Jesus wasn't born on that day. In the Eastern Orthodox and the Oriental Orthodox, uh, the Oriental Orthodox tradition that I grew up in, believe it or not, we celebrate Christmas later. So we don't celebrate December 25th. We celebrate it, I want to say, the beginning of January, January 6th or 7th, like that. So growing up in the Armenian Apostolic Church, many of you guys may not know this, but other church streams celebrate Christmas on different days. Other church streams celebrate Easter on different days. So like our Easter and our um, uh, Christmas didn't line up as a kid. Right, so when I was a kid, we had Santa Claus, and in our culture, Santa Claus was for New Year's Eve. It actually had nothing to do with Christmas. So here, things are combined, and you know, we we live in a very assimilated culture where we just kind of combine different things. But I think sometimes we can get desensitized to the beauty that the actual meaning behind the season is. Right? I know we have Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas was a real person. It's based on Santa Claus. Right? I know we have. Uh, uh, the Christmas trees, and then you get some people that get real weird, and they're like, oh, the Christmas trees are pagan. Look at this verse in Jeremiah. I'm not not going to go there, okay, because that's, that's silly. But what is important is understanding what is the point of celebrating Christmas? What is the point of celebrating Christ Mass? What is the point of celebrating Jesus? Yes, we give presents, and we say we give presents because the wise men give presents. Okay, that actually didn't happen at his birth. That probably happened like 12 to 18 months after he was born. Uh, why do we celebrate? Why do we celebrate? And I think it's actually crucial to why we're here, why all of us are here. And it's one of the most important doctrines. And we're going to go over it, and, and, and we're going to put words to something that will hopefully pull away just from the feel good music and the food and the celebration and go to a scriptural point. So let me get to the scripture and I'll, and I'll give you the one, the one specific doctrine that we're talking about. Okay. So this is Isaiah 
We're going to just look at a bunch of Bible verses, okay? Isaiah 9, verse 6 through 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding um, it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Galatians. But when, uh, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Okay? Under the law, adoption to sonship. Just bear with me because I'm going somewhere with this. Okay? Uh, Titus 3, verse 4 through 7. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope for eternal life. Okay, uh, Philippians. Okay, uh, Some of you guys may be familiar with this. Philippians 2, uh, verse 5. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through whom all things were made. Without him knowing, uh, without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. There was a man, and it's talking about John, and then if you scroll down to verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son, whom came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so I think in today's context, again, we have Santa, we got Christmas trees, Christmas lights. I don't have an issue with any of that kind of stuff, but I think we miss the the point, the the, the, the point of all of this is one of the most important doctrines. The point of all of this is to celebrate not baby Jesus in a manger, not the three wise men, the the, the the shepherds, like all of that is fine. But what we're really getting underneath, if you really consider what we're looking at, the, the, the doctrine and the teaching that we're really looking at, is the teaching and the truth of the incarnation of Christ. Okay, what am I talking about? Well, you know, you've heard the word reincarnation, where people can reincarnate, right, into other, come back as a butterfly or some some nonsense. Okay, but the incarnation is Jesus coming to dwell among us. God putting on flesh, coming as a baby, and living amongst his people. Why is this significant? Because it is the very foundation of the gospel which we placed our faith in. You see, it's not just about the, the, the baby Jesus, baby in a manger. What that symbolizes is something that's unique to Christianity and unlike any other faith. What that symbolizes, think, think, think for a second, like just, just detangle that, that you live in a society that celebrates Christmas and everyone's saying Merry Christmas, but think about what, 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 what we're actually saying. We're saying we believe that the God we serve loved us enough to come into human existence 
that he loved us enough to come as a missionary and step inside of our timeline and live amongst his people, right? So when we're looking at these verses, notice that they're all alluding to the gospel. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem, means buyback, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, right? But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom we, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Friends, don't let this become numb to you. Don't let this become just something that we do. It doesn't, we, we, we stop, we pause, we reflect. Me and my family have been going through Advent and if you look at the entirety of the scripture, all the stories, the major stories, are foreshadowing that Jesus is coming. They're foreshadowing that the issue of sin is going to get dealt with, and ultimately God is God in the flesh is going to deal with this issue. From, from uh, uh, Jonah being told to go and preach and refusing to, and then he gets put in the belly of a beast, and then finally goes back out. What is that? Jesus in the belly of the beast in the darkness, right? Raises three days later, right? Like the like all these stories, Abraham offering his son. And by the way, it says that Abraham was uh, a friend of God. I believe that's one of the only people in the, in, in the Old Testament that says a friend of God. Abraham willing to offer up his son, and then God creating a different pathway, right? Um, in the same way God offers up his son, right? Like there's this beautiful tapestry that consistently shows the foreshadowing of Jesus, right? To King David, foreshadowing the coming of Jesus, right? A humble child who defeats Goliath. Jesus comes as a humble child to defeat the Goliath, right? And so all of this is foreshadowing and pointing people to why we stop and pause, that Jesus didn't come, Jesus didn't come on a throne, Jesus didn't come on chariots, Jesus didn't come as a military soldier, Jesus didn't come as a political figure, Jesus, Jesus comes as a baby born into poverty, lives among us to, to buy us back from the grips of, of sin and, and Satan and death, and ultimately all of what's being demonstrated throughout the Old Testament, right, from Noah to Abraham, right, it, it's all foreshadowing what's about to happen in the New Testament, right? And, no, and, and notice that all of it, all of these stories are pointing to Messiah-like figures who are amongst hostility and yet remain faithful to God. And it's the very same call he gives us at the end of his ministry. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in my name and telling them to obey everything I've taught. So in the same way that Jesus comes as a missionary to redeem us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we now have this ministry. Do you guys see how, how it all builds on top of each other, right? That Jesus is the ultimate missionary, that Jesus is the ultimate the ultimate sacrifice, but that it starts with him first stepping into human history, stepping into people who are sinful, God, holy, 
coming amongst people that are broken and flawed and making his living among us for 33 years. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. What is that? That's symbolic, just like baptism. That is symbolic of in the same way Jesus dies, we die with Christ in baptism. That's why when you get baptized, you're submersed underwater, symbolizing death to yourself, right? And then you come up out of the water, symbolizing the resurrection. Paul talks about this in Romans, right? The old is gone, the new is here. We're born again, right? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God steps into human form. He reconciles us back to himself. He reconciles, buys back, redeems people back to himself. And then what happens? And then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus buys you back from the consequences of your own sin, from your own depravity, from all your issues, from everything that's going on. He buys you back, and then we're instructed to go out and make disciples and be ministers of reconciliation. It says, um, all this is from God, verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Okay. When someone is an ambassador, they're 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 representing a for uh, they're representing their government in a foreign land. Notice this tapestry of missionary. Notice this tapestry of living amongst uh, uh amongst other people who may be hostile towards you. Right? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal. Through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then this is the verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the imputed righteousness of Christ. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ comes, lives the life we could never live, dies the death we should have died on the cross in our place for our sin. But it all starts with, the gospel starts with him coming. The gospel starts with him stepping into human history. The God of the universe steps in to flesh. Again, this is unlike anything else, unlike any other worldview, unlike any other religion, where the hero of the story dies for the villains. Do you understand that the hero of the story, you're not the hero of the story. I'm not the hero of the story. The hero of the story is God, and God comes and dies for the villains, the very same villains who are crucifying him and beating him and, 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 and spitting him and mocking him, right? That from his birth to his death, there was hostility towards what he was doing. And this all starts with the incarnation, that God dwells among us, that God comes among us. That God comes as a missionary. He goes into a hostile land. He does the things that we don't want to do. He lives the life we couldn't live. Right? And, and he then creates a pathway through his death, burial, and resurrection. He creates a pathway for us to be reconciled, taking on our sin, and then giving us, and then get and giving us his righteousness. Right? And then get sending, sending the Holy Spirit, giving us new hearts. 
right? So giving us new hearts. Giving new hearts. What does that mean? New desires. A new desire to 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 love God and love the things of God and hate the things of this world and hate the not not hate the world because remember God loved the world but hate the, the the system of this world. Right. So all of this is based on love and reconciliation, and and, and sometimes we get numb to it because. We hear Christmas music and we see lights and all that kind of stuff. But if you just pause and think about it, again, if you're in 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 North America, this is around the time we celebrate the incarnation. If you're Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, you celebrate a little later. It doesn't really matter, right? Because the truth is, he probably wasn't born in 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 the winter time or the beginning of the winter time because it would have been really cold in Bethlehem. Neither here nor there. But we're pausing and we're reflecting and we're thinking about it. But here's what I was thinking about. I'm going through this devotional. It's really good. I'm going to share with you guys once I'm done with it. What I'm thinking about is this, this, this idea of us being ministry ministers of reconciliation, that God reconciled the world unto himself, and then he calls us to be ministers of reconciliation, that God, that God had disciples and then told his disciples to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples. And I wonder, I wonder that, Maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons we see so much turmoil within our flesh and, and, and tension within our warring within this world and, and, and who am I becoming, what am I listening to, uh, the, the, all the, the, the beef within the theologies and all these different camps. I wonder, what if all of our ten, all of our addictions, all of the struggling Christians out there, what if the reason some of this is happening is because we're actually not demonstrating the very incarnation. We're not demonstrating the Christmas story. What am I what do I mean? The Christmas story is about Christ coming amongst people. It's about God coming as a missionary. It's about him stepping off his throne and stepping into our mess. And I wonder when we're instructed to do the same thing, we're instructed to go into the world, proclaim the gospel, Make disciples that make disciples, teaching them to obey everything Jesus has instructed us, who, who, who then go on. What if the reason we have so much turmoil and the reason why we stay addicted and we stay stuck and we stay in, in, in feedback loops and we're not getting the breakthrough and is that we're actually not walking that part out, really. We kind of, yeah, just kind of, you know, I might invite somebody to church every now and then. I might, I might, um, you know, I might share my faith every now and then. I might, you know, I might, I might like read my Bible every now and then. But are we actually living out what we're instructed in 2 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 28 and making disciples that make disciples? And if we did, if we truly did that, if we truly went from conversion to becoming a disciple and then making disciples who make disciples. What, what if, what if, maybe, just maybe, that us pursuing the purpose of knowing God and making him known, that's your purpose, by the way, your capital, your capital P purpose. Capital P purpose is to know God and make him known. Your assignment might be different. But what if in pursuing our purpose in Christ, that that could... Not in a way where you're being irresponsible and you're quitting your job and doing crazy stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about just the bare bones of are you being a minister of reconciliation wherever you dwell? 
you know, I, we have our Tyrese interview coming out Saturday. And Tyrese is a very flawed individual who is very sober about all of his issues and he opens up about it. But one of the things he said that's in the Patreon exclusive, I said, you go into ungodly spaces. And he said, there's no such thing as ungodly spaces when people who are proclaiming God are in the midst. He said, there's only there's no there's no ungodly spaces when godly people are in them. And I said, that's that's good. And so what spaces are we called? Are you called to occupy? What spaces are you called to 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 make room in? What spaces are you called to go and make disciples in instead of making excuses? Right? Like because that is the, the that that is the incarnation message. The incarnation message is Jesus comes as a missionary and then sends out missionaries. The beginning and the end and it's this it's this beautiful it's this beautiful thing. And so as you're going into your holiday season, as you're going into your 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 Christmas Eve and your Christmas day and here's some advice. Maybe stop and with your family that's maybe unchurched or unchristian or de-Christian or deconverted, maybe stop and reflect on some of this, on the beauty of the incarnation of Jesus, on how unique it is as, as, a, as a faith tradition, on how different it is, right? And, and share that with them and share, and share some, some, of, some of the story with them as they're there to get presents or have good food or whatever. I think if we pause and reflect, I actually believe that reflecting on the incarnation can empower us to then go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and make disciples that make disciples. Right? And so you can go out into the streets and air, open air preach, all that kind of stuff, but I have a feeling that there's non-Christians in your Life now that need this good news, that need this hope, that need these stories, that need these parables. And I think it starts with just sharing them. You know, this devotion I'm going through, I should have had a copy in here. He said something really interesting. He said, the parts of the world where the church is flourishing, they disciple to convert. They're discipling people into the gospel, into the stories of the gospel, and in the discipleship process to converting, meaning that everybody that needs to be discipled isn't converted yet. Isn't that interesting? And so I think we can start by, by just reflecting and reminding and, and, and talking about the reason for the season. I know that sounds super cliche and cringe, but like I think it's so much bigger and broader Right? I think it's so much bigger and broader than, than we could ever imagine, and it has radical implications for how we live our day-to-day -day life. And, and again, I don't have any issues. We have a Christmas tree. We have lights up. We, we're, I, I'm into all of it. Fire, fireplace and a bunch of presents for the kids. And I don't, I don't have an issue. For and I'm also, I don't have an issue if you want to be a super minimalistic and like we're not doing Christmas this year. We're, we're going to be super conservative and we're not going to do consumerism or we're going to do Secret Santa or like. like Praise God. Bless you. That's fine, too. I don't care. Right? I'm, I'm, I like the Christmas music. Maybe you don't like the Christmas music. It's triggering for you. It doesn't matter. Maybe you celebrate, maybe you're Eastern Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox. Maybe you celebrate Christmas in, in the beginning of January. That's fine. I don't care. What, what I care about is, are we making disciples? Are we living life amongst people that may be hostile to the Jesus that we serve? And, and are we loving them well enough to disciple them?
That's that's what I ultimately am after. And I think I think there's way more people that need this than we could ever imagine. There's way more family members that need this. And so you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to know all the Bible verses. I think you just need to start sharing what Christmas means to you this Christmas. Why is the incarnation story unique to you? Why is it, why is it, what is Jesus doing to you? I want everybody to do that this, this weekend. Explain why this, why, why this story is so meaningful. Explain, because what you're really doing is explaining the gospel, by the way. Look, sometimes people struggle with quiet time because you're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, so I got this Bless God prayer journal. So look, they got a section. I got praise reports, things I'm grateful for, prayers for other people, personal prayers, memory verse. I will get this done today. Then my time in the Word showed me and notes just for free thinking. This thing's mad helpful. Just writing down things that you're grateful for, just doing that consistently, that's another really good way to fight depression and anxiety because it's, it's I don't know if it's impossible, but it's really, it's really difficult to experience the feelings of depression and everything and truly be, you know, genuinely grateful for something and, and dwelling on something that you're grateful for. This actually is really helpful for that as well. All the challenges, despite all the loss, despite the trauma, despite, the, the public issues, you're steadfast in professing it, but in your brokenness, you're professing Jesus. And that to me is extremely refreshing because some people think they got to get cleaned up yeah. to follow Jesus. Yeah. You're like, I, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm messed up. I just didn't understand death. I could not process death, but I knew I was sad. And I knew at a young age, I had to like try and process that he's never coming home again. It was also, I've never said that publicly. I even wrote a book, which is a bio, and never even mentioned that in there. Wow. I just didn't have the audacity to do it. And I'm also a man who has seen and, and been exposed to and experienced every level of 